All right, guys, uh, open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're on our journey through the book of Colossians. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 22 today. And uh, it's called Reconciled Through Jesus. So to summarize what BK was saying, I think a really great phrase is, you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. You don't read the Bible, but the Bible reads you. So all the, you know, <clears throat> Bible studies that that you want to get into because you want to dive into the Word and you want to know God more, it really doesn't matter unless your heart is open to having God read you, to having God show you how much you need Him, how much you need His grace and His mercy. Because that's what reading the Bible will do. It'll kind of mess you up. The Bible will kind of mess you up. And that's the design of it. It has to mess you up before it fixes you. So thank you, BK, for sharing with us what you've been learning in your study. Um, that, was, that was awesome. All right, let's pray real quick uh, before, as we get into our study. Jesus, I thank you for uh, your word, and we pray that your word would read our hearts. And God, that you would show us your grace, your mercy, and help us to understand from the heart how much we need you and how faithful you are to provide for all of our needs and to heal our hurts and to help us to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two sides to every coin, just like this coin right here. I'm going to pass this coin around. You guys can look at it. This coin is from Australia. And on one side, it has Queen Elizabeth from the year 2000. She looks very old. And on the other side, it has a platypus, a duck-billed platypus. Here, I'll start with you. And you just pass, we'll find it now. Okay, now pass it around to all, all around. You guys can just look at it as we do our, our sermon. But there's two sides to every, and make sure I get that back because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Australia. Well, whose name and inscription is on it? Ah, oh, give unto Queen Elizabeth. What is Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, <laughs> they are pretty possessive. I agree. There's two, just like there's two sides to every coin, there's two ways of looking at the human need for salvation, okay? So all of us need to get saved, okay? But there's two ways of looking at it. There's the first way, we'll call this heads, is that God is the judge and we are guilty before him. Okay? So that's one side of the coin. So we need his justification and forgiveness. So because he's the judge, we come into his courtroom, he says, you're guilty! What are you going to do? And we say to him, I, I plead the blood of Jesus, and he says, you can be forgiven then. Okay, that's awesome. So that's, that's how the judge way of looking at it looks. But there's another way of looking. The other side of the coin is that God isn't just judge, but he's father. He's the father who we have offended and damaged our relationship with him. And so the need in that side of the coin is that of reconciliation. That's a big word that just means you were enemies and now you're friends, okay? Reconciliation. So our great need is reconciliation. Now, both of these 
views God as judge and God as father. Both of them are right and true, and, and not one should be more important than the other. Uh, both of these also are fully taken care of on the cross. So 2,000 years ago, the real man, Jesus, was really nailed to a real tree, and he was really killed there. And that act that Jesus accomplished, that work that he accomplished, it took care of both sides of the salvation coin that you guys are looking at right now. That moment that Jesus died on the cross, it impacts every single one of you today in this room. It reaches throughout time. It reaches through all of your junk And it impacts you here today. No matter which side of the coin you look at, it's still the same thing. It's your salvation. And you've been saved by justification. And the judge has pronounced you innocent. And you have been saved by reconciliation. The Father has nothing against you. That is amazing. There is nothing holding you apart keeping you at a distance. When you're in a fight with someone, you keep them at a distance, right? When you, and, and guys, you guys know that relationship pain, you guys know what I mean when I say that. That pain you feel in your heart when you're in an argument with somebody. Relationship pain is the, one of the worst pains in life. Jordan broke his something yesterday, something in his ankle, his growth plate, yeah. And uh, that hurt him a lot, but he didn't even cry. Such a, such a strong beast of a man. And, uh, but man, I've been through relational pain that made me cry. Anyone else? Been through relational pain that hurt worse than any broken bone. In fact, I would have traded all the bones in my body to be broken if I didn't have to go through this relational pain. It just, when you're separated from someone you love because of disagreements or sin, sinful deeds, it just rips your heart apart, doesn't it? It just tears you up. We're all in the same boat. We've all experienced that feeling. And so we need to have this relational healing, not just forgiveness, but we need to have reconciliation. And that's what we need to understand about what God did for us on the cross, is he provided this relationship healing between us and God. The great need of every broken relationship is reconciliation. And that's what we're going to learn about today. Speaking of broken relationships and arguments, Yesterday, my friend and I got into an argument over which vowel was best, and I won. I'll let the rest of you get it here in a second. You got it? You get it? I, the letter I, is the best vowel. Okay, good. Just making sure we're all catching up. Okay. All right, so with our jokes out of the way, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 19. Just That's what we studied last week, but it has to do with what we're talking about. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So it made God happy that Jesus 
would be filled with all that God is. So if you ever needed to know what God thought about you or what God thinks about sin or what God thinks about anything, all you would have to do is look at Jesus and he would give that information to you. Not only information, but Jesus would actually give you God's grace, God's help, God's gifts, God's blessings. Jesus has it all to give to you. So moving on, he says in verse 20, and by him to reconcile, there's that word, you can start underlining the word reconcile in your Bible, to reconcile all things to himself by him. So he says by him twice there. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated, there's another big important word, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So let's start with our problem. Our problem is that we were alienated. Right there, he says, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, the solution for that alienation is reconciliation. He says, yet now he has reconciled. What does the word alienated mean? Well, the ancient Greek word for alienated is something I'm never going to pronounce. Apello trio My Greek is top notch. But it literally means to be transferred to another owner. Okay, so when we were alienated, we were transferred to another owner. When and how did that happen? Well, we got to remember back to the Garden of Eden, and we were given this little thing called free will. You guys remember that? So glad we got free will. It's actually a good thing because we, we, we got free will because we were created in God's image. We have free will because only by having free will can we be God's counterpart. Can we be God's bride? Only by having free will can we lovingly respond to his love. And God deserves to be loved back when he loves us. And so that's why he gave us free will, so that we could be capable of responding to his love. We were created in his image to be his counterpart. We were created to freely choose God and freely serve God and freely worship God and partner with God in ruling, with, ruling his creation with him in full dependence upon him. But with our free will, we chose to obey Satan's will instead. You guys remember that? Some of you are old enough to remember that. And so we were transferred to another owner. That's what the word alienation means. You were transferred to another owner. We were alienated from God who made us and we belonged to him to Satan because we chose that we wanted to join him. That's the problem. We were cast into a life of slavery to the president of the Rebelling Against God Club. 
His name is Satan. And since we all, everyone in here, has descended from Adam, we all start out on that team, alienated from God. Then we confirm and embrace that alienation by the wicked works that it talked about in our text. Those wicked works. That's us saying, yeah, I'm on that team. And that's what I really want. That's what he says right there. And you who were who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. So this is how we were enemies of God. We do what he would never do. What he hates above all. What causes separation and relational pain incalculable, which is we sin. That's what causes relational pain, sin. We choose to partner with and obey the will of the great rebel named Satan. We choose to want freedom from God and all of his good and all of his righteous rules. Hmm. That's how that happened. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So guys, before we were saved, we don't have any other resource to live by except our flesh. That, that's who you are, your mind, will, and emotions, all that you are when you're born. That's all that we have. The only resources we have is that flesh. And that flesh is what we inherited from Adam. And so that flesh, all of our mind, will, and emotions, it's all broken. Just broken. Because Adam wrecked it for us. And we descend from him. And so all of that part of us, our mind, will, and emotions, is always wanting to rebel against God. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. You combine those three things together, and it means our flesh. In Ephesians 4.18, it says, having their understanding darkened. That's what happened to us at the fall. Our understanding, the way our mind perceives reality, was broken. We being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their hearts. These are descriptions of what we were before Jesus fixed us. Praise Jesus. This brokenness that he describes, it extends from the mind all the way to the heart. That's how far we are broken. The alienation is a full and complete alienation. It's real and painful. When we try to come into God's presence, you know what most people have? When God shows up and, and, and reveals himself to most people, you know what happens? They die. They fall over dead. And if they don't, they faint. Because we are, are broken. And he is so holy and not broken that that division just produces this horrible pain and death sometimes. It's, this pain is something that we could never fix because we caused it. So we need a Savior to fix it for us. Enter Jesus. 
and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. So let's read our text again. Now that we understand the alienation, that we are broken and enemies, he says this, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled by the body, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. The text said, by him. And then it said, by him. Two times. And Paul does it, says it two times because he's helping us to understand the importance of Jesus entering the room. Guys, then Jesus came in. Then Jesus came in, guys. Understand this. By, means, by him means through him means Jesus is the only one through whom we can be reconciled to God. Just as Jesus created the original creation, right? We learned two weeks ago that Jesus is the creator, that he created the entire universe by himself. Now we see that Jesus also is the author of the new creation. Just as he created the entire universe, so he also is the author of the new creation, the creation that God does in our hearts. When you come to know God, when you trust, put your trust in Jesus, Jesus does a new creative work of creating a new being in, in you, of you. You become a new creation through him. And Jesus is the head of both creations. He's the head of the old creation, all that we see, and he's head of the new creation, what we can't see but's in our hearts. So to what extent did Jesus reconcile us to God? It says here, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That's to the extent to which his reconciliation uh, extends. Do you guys know that there's a guy running around in heaven trying to make, wish, make sure that you stay away from God? And that guy's name is Satan. Satan is a word that means the accuser. He is running around in heaven, and every time you do something, Satan goes and stands before God, and he says, God, you need, you need, to, you need to just get rid of Nathan. Ah, he's gone. How did that happen? I didn't even know he wasn't there. Okay, this Nathan. <laughs> How many Nathans we have here today? Um, Satan just wants to create division and separation between us and God. And so every time we sin, Satan says, no, 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 no. He can't come into your presence. He's no longer your son because he's following me because he sinned. Ooh, does Satan have a point? What do you think? Hmm. Well, if Jesus hadn't died... Jesus, then Satan has a very good point. But because Jesus has died on the cross and taken my sin upon him when he died, because Jesus has given me his righteousness in exchange for my sin, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God looks at Satan and says, who are you talking about? I, I don't know this person you're talking about. I know my beloved son, Nathan, who is 
perfect in all ways because I, when I look at him, I see none of his sin. I see the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And Nathan walks back in the room. <laughs> this is like, I couldn't have planned this any better. You're welcome. You have no idea what we're even talking about. <laughs> you were just a great illustration. Thank you very much. So Satan wants to kick us out of heaven. He accuses us. Every He starts arguments between God and us. But those arguments have been ended by Jesus. Jesus is your lawyer. Jesus comes to God, his own father, and says, okay, I hear what Satan's saying about Nathan, but, sorry, there's still my illustration, but here's what I have to say. I took his sin upon me, and so Nathan is innocent, and God says, yeah, I'm going to listen to my son before I'm going to listen to Satan, the accuser. And so there is no division between you and God, even when you sin. But how do you feel when you sin? You feel like, ooh, I need a timeout. I need to stay away from God a little bit because God is probably a little bit angry with me because I just sinned. And God hates sin, right? Yes, it's true. God hates sin, but it is a lie to say that God is angry with you because he's not. Why? Because God already got angry at Jesus for you, so he's never going to be angry at you ever again. And everyone said, amen, and praise God, and wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus is so good. He ends all these arguments. Now Satan can't say anything about you because the answer will always be, Jesus paid for that. Jesus paid for that. So you can sin. And you can walk right back into God's presence and say, God, I'm sorry, receive me back. And God says, yes, I will always receive you back. Now, when God is so kind to you, when God is so good to you and so loving to you, does that make you want to sin more? Does it? Why not? God's giving you freedom. Doesn't that just make you want to go sin? No, because the, the thing that's missing there is that when you are loved, it produces love inside you. When God pours his love out on you, it plants his love in your heart, doesn't it? And his constant forgiveness and mercy in your life drives you crazy growing in love for him. You say, God, thank you. And it produces heartfelt obedience in our hearts. His love does these things. Jesus took care of that. How did Jesus do this reconciliation? It says, he tells us here in our verse, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh 
through death. So the death of Jesus Christ is how humans are reconciled to God. The death of Jesus Christ just happens to be the most verifiable event in all of history. Did you guys know that? Uh, I found an atheist that agrees with me. Okay? So there's an atheist. Even atheists agree that Jesus lived and died. Um, In the book, Did Jesus Exist? by Bart Ehrman, written in 2013. He's an atheist author. Uh, He goes on to basically prove that that, that Jesus lived and died the way that the Bible says. And this is an atheist. He doesn't believe in God at all, but he says Jesus lived and died. So even atheists agree that Jesus lived and died. Then we tell them, well, he was also God in human flesh. Then they say, well, he would have to prove that by some miracles. Maybe even rise from the dead for me to believe that. And then we look around and I say, should I tell him? Maybe I will. Then they investigate it. And then all of a sudden, no more atheist. But back to our point. How does his death make reconciliation? It's simple, guys. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. Because death was the just punishment for our sin and our rebellion. And Jesus looked at us in love. And he obeyed his father's will. And he took our place on the cross. And he was separated from God. To the point he cried out, my father, why have you forsaken me? Proving that he was separated at that moment from God. So that we would never have to be separated from our father again. He prayed that prayer. Why have you forsaken me? So that you would never, ever have to pray that prayer. He did that for us. This could only happen if Jesus was God and fully man. Only God's life would be big enough to pay for all our sins. And only a man's life could be offered to pay for another man. That's why Jesus had to become a man. So what did all this accomplish? What was the purpose of this reconciliation? It says in our verse here, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. In other words, there is no more pain in the relationship between you and God. There is no more division. In his sight, you are holy and blameless and above reproach. That means nothing can reproach you. And that means you can't be blamed for anything, even all the stuff you do. You get forgiven. You are as holy as Jesus by his grace. And none of this was done by you. 
You didn't do any of it. It was all a free gift. But it was done for you and given to you as a free gift of grace. Of grace. Meaning God bought it, paid for it, and gives it to anyone who would humble themselves and put their faith in Jesus. Have you guys heard of the term rose-colored glasses? That means when you see something, it's tinted in a color, usually red. You see everything in the world. Well, God, you could say, has rose-colored glasses, or let's say blood-colored glasses, when he looks at his children. Because God does not see your sin ever when he looks at you because he he is looking at you through the blood of Jesus. And so he literally can't see your sin anymore. It's washed away. So let's conclude with briefly just remembering the Exodus story. You guys remember that? So when Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gets them out into the desert. Well, he's not, they're not leaving yet. They're, they're like in the 10th plague. So nine plagues have happened, and the 10th plague comes. And the 10th plague was that God was going to send a death angel throughout the, the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn of every family. But God told uh, Moses the way that they could be saved. And so they had to take a lamb, and they had to kill the lamb, and they had to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their, ho- of their door, their entrance to their, and on the top, okay? So it kind of makes a little cross in front, if you actually think about it. It's pretty cool. So anyone who was inside that house where the blood was on the door would be safe from the destroying angel, the death angel, okay? Now, it didn't matter if that person was really wicked. It didn't matter if they had just killed someone. All that mattered was that they were in the home where the blood was, that they chose to believe in the blood of the lamb. That's all that mattered. And it's the same thing today. God He doesn't see us and our sin without the blood of Jesus. And that's what's such an amazing illustration of the Passover. God never looked at who was in the house. He just passed on by because he saw the blood was on the door frame. Pretty cool, right? Amen? All right. What army base is off limits on Passover? Fort Leavenworth. (laughs) How many pharaohs does it take to screw in a light bulb? One, but he just won't let it go. He should have watched Frozen, huh? Okay. And guys, Jesus was crucified on Passover. The same day that they celebrated the blood of the lamb on the the thing, and they celebrated it every year, Jesus was killed on that day. Do you think that was a coincidence? Just a random event? No, because Jesus is the Passover lamb, and all 
they had to do was choose the right team, choose to go into the house where the blood was covering it. And that's what putting your faith in Jesus is. It's choosing his blood. Choosing the right team. Romans 5.10 is our last verse. It says, for if when we were enemies, I'm going to start over. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Anything you guys need is provided by the death of Jesus, but also Jesus rose from the dead. And that rising from the dead shows the new resurrection life that is available to you to live by as your daily resource today, tomorrow, and every day of your life. It is your thing. It is your life. It's been given to you. Now, how do we access this life? It's very simple. You humble yourself and ask Jesus for more of him, more of his life. You walk confident that Jesus is living in you and living through you. It's, your life is all for Christ now. Amen?